Welcome to episode 207 of the Two on Three podcast, where two of your friends bring three topics each to make a six-piece bucket with two large sides. I'm Ty, and you can find me tweeting with low engagement at S-E-A-T-J-K. And with me, as always, is Chris. Where can we find you fishing for your likes, Chris? You can find me at C.D. Villasenor, tweeting into the nothing and getting no responses either. <laughs> I don't care. It's for me. It's for me. Except if for you, my friend Dan Cortez. He always likes and retweets me. Good things from the garden. Garden in the valley. The valley of the Jelly Green Giant. That's like my number one Dan Cortez memory. That and Rock and Jock, of course. You know what I'm talking about, right? Demolition Man, where he's singing the gar- the, the Jolly Green Giant theme oh song. Oh my God, that is a deep. That's Bell. a deep cut. I always make I always make his Seinfeld appearance jokes, the himbo jokes. Isn't that which, Friends? Or is that Seinfeld? No, no, that's a Seinfeld thing because okay. George has this huge crush on him. Okay, yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and so whenever I he, he's always good for a like or retweet for for me. I don't know. He's, we're, well, we're listeners buddies. know how much I love Demolition Man, and and I mean who doesn't. Sure. But you know, all okay. So a couple of things in Demolition Man. All the music is like old jingles, right? Mm-hmm. Old old product jingles, and all restaurants are Taco Bell, right? So when they join Doctor Cocteau at Taco Bell, Dan Cortez is there playing the piano. He's playing the Jolly Green Giant theme song, and I sing it to my kids. I sing, <laughs> "Good things from the garden, garden in the valley, valley of the Jolly Green Giant." I think Dan would be thrilled that you remember that. I will never forget it. I'll probably sing it on my deathbed. <laughs> I mean, the la- what, what were your dad's final words? Hey, he's singing some fucking commercial from the vegetables. I don't know. I he wish was I crazy. was an Oscar Mayer wiener. <laughs> he was crazy. You know, I have some funny, um, you know, context, musical, out, out of context music thing to talk with you about in the OT, so we'll get there. But in the meantime, interact with the show on Twitter at 2on3pod or hit us up via email at Hello. at 2on3pod.com. You know how much we love to hear from you. I should probably check the email. <laughs> <laughs> no one's no one's sending us email, man. If you're emailing us, tweet us to let us know. <laughs> right? Send an email, then tweet the show, and then we'll right. check the email. I'll check the email. Yeah, yeah. you got to tell me that you sent me the email. <laughs> so, that's, the, that's the text message. Did you get the email I sent you? Yeah. We need that, though. You haven't replied yet. <laughs> well, Chris, what have you brought for us to cook up tonight? Uh, tonight, I brought us three wonderful topics mm. from my side. So there is um, recasting a movie when your movie's a disaster. Yes. Um, the reason we really go to restaurants and a little bit of uh, existential maverick. Uh, I think you'll I think you'll really I know that you haven't seen it yet, but it's spoiler full. And I just and ever since everyone else in the world has seen it, since it's the most popular movie in the world, except you, I'm just going to spoil it for you. I don't point. think that you can ruin a Top Gun callback movie for me. I don't it, think it, you telling no. me about it is going to change anything. Okay. About my it, it won't. It won't. But um, I've come to, I've, after seeing it a couple times, I've come to a, a, uh, an interesting thought about it. Okay. Okay. Well, I look forward to hearing right. what, you, what you have to share with, uh, with, what you have to share with us about Maverick. Yeah. I, on the other hand, have brought um, withered old terrible ingredients <laughs> for the show. No. <laughs> no. Um, I, I, so this is something that's been on my mind for a long time. And, and I, I don't, it's hard for me to even introduce it without, getting into the segment, but we need a name for the feeling 
for secondhand pain. And maybe there is one, and, and I should have looked that up. <laughs> but we need, I, there's not one that I'm using, so we're going to work that out. Okay. Um, I have a, I've read a theory. You know my favorite thing to do is like basically to share with you a theory that I like, that I have mm-hmm. discovered, and then to test the theory here on the show. All right. So we're going to talk about what it means to have um, excised nicotine from society and whether or not that's a net positive. And then in the same vein, I want to talk about German versus Japanese engineering and which one is superior. Because we're clearly the experts. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I have both products from Germany and from from Japan. Me too. Then it's obviously dad jokes of the week and and then I will uh, come back to the OT where we'll talk a little bit about um, being an out-of-context music composer. And... uh, Chris, before we dig in, um, I wanted to ask you, have you ever shut off your power on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> like gone to the breaker and shut the whole thing down? Uh, well, I mean, or, not exactly Or, or that, didn't but. pay. <laughs> or, or, or didn't pay for my power and it got shut down? Um, when I, white people's power gets cut off, they <laughs> panic. <laughs> they, anyway, that's an old uh, Chris Rock bit. You can look it up. No, I have um, never, I've never, well, I've, you know, I've gotten it. You know, I've forgotten to pay, and I've gotten oh, yeah. that that horrible notice, like your shit's going down if you do not pay this bill. Call the us red, now. The red notice. Yes, I have gotten that, and 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 I've had to go to the circuit box and you know turn off some things to install, you know, a smoke alarm or whatever. Sometimes you have to you have to you have to turn off the power, but I've never. I don't, what do you, what are we getting at here? Well, as usual, I can't remember if I've told this, talked about this on the show. No, just <laughs> talk about it. It's all good. We're doing some major electrical upgrades at my home. Um, well, first, bought- we know we know that we know that they chopped your internet out. Yep, that was part of the prep for this job. <laughs> <laughs> and now there's and now this is the next the next step. Yep. So everything up to this point has gone off uh, without a hitch, uh, and then it was time to actually make the cutover to the new power. So, um, I'm, as I've talked about on the show, I, I bought an EV earlier this year. Um, the house has needed a power upgrade for a while. We are moving from a 280 service to 400 amp service. Uh, 400, 401, whatever it takes. <laughs> it's all ball bearings. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I got the all the they came into the all the fire the final wiring, redid the panel, and then the power company has to actually like hook up the new line, right? Sure. Yeah. So they cut us off. Oh, it's 9 a.m. I knew it was going to happen, and. I've been trying to make this happen for weeks now, so they were they, very short notice. They're like, how about Wednesday? And I'm like, not great, but I'll make it work. And uh, they cut the power off about 9 a.m. It's supposed to be back on, like, no later than 2. Let's just say we didn't make the schedule. And uh, <laughs> at that point, I have to leave. Like, it's like 4 o'clock. I got to take my daughter to soccer. My wife is going to take our other daughter to dance. Uh-huh. Uh, and the power's still off. And the electricians okay. are still at the house. Now, thankfully, actually, concurrently, I happen to have a friend of mine doing some um, general contractor work in the backyard. So he can stick around, and he's back there anyway. So we can both leave. That's cool. That's cool of him to babysit. He was working at a couple. He wasn't done for the day. Yeah. Uh, And and I've worked with the electricians now for months, and I have some relationships. I'm not super concerned about this situation, but Mm -hmm. it's because most of the work is outside anyway. But they have to leave the garage open. And then I get a call while I'm gone that says... The power company had to leave because do some some cross wiring issue. They couldn't get the power reconnected, and the guy, the inspector, had to leave, so it's not inspected, and they're not going to come back tonight to reconnect it. Oh and I'm like, God. excuse me. <laughs> so at this point, it's five thirty in the afternoon, in the evening, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and you're telling me that my power's going to be off till at the very earliest seven a.m. 
I'm like, okay, uh, let me see. Let me make some phone calls. I call the power company. The main project manager I've been working with on this project for months, I'm out of the office. Here's uh, the person you can call in my stead. So I call that guy. And that guy picks up the phone and I explain to him that uh, it's really not great. Um, you know, what can be done? And he basically, I mean, he's polite about it, but he more or less tells me, you know, nothing. Yeah, we can't do anything. We'll be back sorry. tomorrow. We'll be back yeah, tomorrow. And he, yeah, and he starts to tell me, he's like, well, and I, I think he's new. And the reason I think this is because he's been following the project manager around at the site for a while. Okay. And I'm pretty sure he's the guy taking his calls while he's out on vacation. <laughs> Got it. And so he's in training and he, he starts to read to me what's clearly the boilerplate. And he's like, well, uh, the PUD doesn't guarantee power. And during storm season, I'm like, yo, you got to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> And I did like interrupt him and I was like, well, this was a manual disconnect. And he's like, well, we didn't, we didn't budget for the, for the overtime for them to come after hours. And I'm like, I was about, I actually, I had to keep my composure because they brought seven trucks to do this work, the power company during the day Uh at multiple points during the job, two guys were throwing a football around the street (laughs) multiple times, like for periods of long periods of time. Uh-huh. Now, I understand that, you know, whatever. You have specialists. There's things that need to happen. They brought two line trucks. Only one ever got used. Um, there were two other, three other supervisor trucks. It was ridiculous how many people were out here for, <laughs> for basically this. to, yeah. They wanted to learn. They're, they're, they're probably out there sort of learning. It's like, oh, here we're doing, because they probably expect this to happen. Oh, it's a teaching utility. Right. Shut up. <laughs> they're training. Yes, because. What is this, because, Grey's Anatomy? The yes, Anatomy. it is. <laughs> So people are are hanging around just to just to have the experience, apparently, well, but not a good experience. Apparently, I was just like, you don't have it in the budget. I just, I'm I, well. We, if we if we had planned ahead, I'm like, and and you're so you're just going to leave me with no power. And he's like, yeah, I talked to my supervisor about this already, and and he said there's nothing we can do. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So I get back in to the house, um, and it's been a couple of hours since I left, and the electricians are still there. Which yeah. one? Cool. Yeah. And two, I get in there and then they have an update for me that they called their boss at the company and he's been able to get the utility to agree to send the night crew out. Oh, okay. Apparently he read them the riot act about like, you're not going to leave this family with no power by choice. Right. Yeah. Well, good. Well, I mean, that, that makes me feel better. I mean, like someone over there has a soul. Well, I mean, I don't know what the relationship is between a fairly large commercial electrician and the power company. But at some point, somebody said, you cannot just leave these people in the dark all night, yeah. which yeah. is great. It's, I'm My glad choice. Someone, yeah, I'm glad somebody said it. Yeah, because apparently he called them and was like, you're going to send the night crew. And then the, the dork was like, well, we don't have one of those. He's like, you don't have an on-call crew with a power company at night. You're telling me there's not a guy that can go. And the hilarious thing about it is the, electri- the electricians could have done this work themselves, but they're not allowed to touch the lines. They're like, we know it needs to happen. We're just not allowed to do it. Right. Because the PUD won't let us. Oh. Anyway, I, the, 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 the punchline to the story is that after the power came back on, suddenly, like 30 minutes later, there's another guy in my driveway and he comes to the door and he's like, oh, I'm from the PUD. He's like, oh, I'm here to build the meter. I'm like, oh, you're right on top of that billing, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you weren't going to come back and connect this, but as no. soon as it happened, all of a sudden you had the on-call build the meter guy right yeah. out here. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't giving you free juice, pal. No, that was no. a long story. I didn't mean for it to go that long. So That's let's a, do the but, show. Yeah. Oh, did you have a comeback? Sorry, did you? I no, I just say, I mean, of course they're going to send a guy with the meter out. That's what I said to him, too. I was like, oh, 
Did they just call you? He's like, yeah, yeah. They just called me like 45 minutes ago. I'm like, really? You're the on-call build the billing guy. I see that there was no delay getting you out here. <laughs> Boo. All right. Talk to me about the Flash. So, so everyone knows that who listens to the show that I pray to God that DC could pull together any sort of movie universe. It's it's obviously not going to happen in any meaningful way. No, it's too and it's too bad because I love those characters, but the people who are running that show are just are just clowns, and so I don't know what's going to happen. But they have, have no vision. It. Yeah, they have they so they made a Flash movie. I don't know this Black Adam movie's coming out. Whatever, who knows? It's all it's a mess. It's a mess. A mess. Mm-hmm. But the Flash is an extra mess because if you're not aware that the I'm aware star of the Flash is experiencing some issues of his own creation of his own their creation. own creation. Sorry, let me not. Oh, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna still deliver it with respect. Okay, the uh, but at this point. Dang it, what's his name? What's his Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller. Ezra and Miller. I, I, this is what I'm I saying. So Ezra, Ezra Miller it. has decided to be, he's a, a they. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. And that's fine. We need the, another word for that, by the way. And I, well, I'm not trying to start this. This, this, no, this, yeah, this is not the place to start this. But but I need a different word. I'm, I'm open yeah. to whatever you want to use. We have but, lots of we have lots but, of words in the English language, and we and they, they and their is a plural is confusing. Is a, is a yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway. Okay. So... Ezra yes. as, is wanted by the law. Yeah. And so Ezra, at this point, has been using his Instagram to yeah. put on memes to troll the law to say, you can't catch me. <laughs> <laughs> the, people at, the people at DC Movies are like, we, we're going to have to shit can this movie. We cannot, yeah, we yeah. cannot, this movie is going into the vault and it's going to stay there because our star is, number one, wanted by the law. And I believe this started because the girl he's with, her parents reported that that she had been brainwashed. She's following him around as like a cultist. He's become some sort of cult leader in her eyes. This okay. is how it's okay. spelled out anyway. I don't, All right. I don't know the, the actual, but the media is portraying it as, as she's in his thrall and, and whatever. But she herself has posted that she's not. But of course, that's what you'd say when you're in the cult. Of course, <laughs> of course, cult. Of course, people in a cult will tell you they're not in a cult. That's not how this works. That's exactly how that works. Just ask Tom Cruise. Exactly. He's gotten past it, and as, but Ezra Miller's not nearly as clever as Tom Cruise, and he's decided to make a big show of this. But anyway, now we've got the Flash movie that is essentially done, that they're working on, in post and trying to pull together a movie. But they can't put this movie together. Right. It's it's just a mess. You can't Ezra Miller is not going to be able to promote a movie or be the face of this movie. So you're looking at at least a couple hundred million dollars in the shitter. Yeah. But you could save it by just simply recasting the movie. And 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 my thought here is does anybody really care about a recasting? I mean really when it comes right down Amber in the Heard DC, you know, Amber Heard now. Amber Heard's going out of that of Aquaman and they could recast her tomorrow and just have somebody do be the new Mira. And no one would care. No one would care. I watched that new fantastic beast movie and I didn't care that it was you watched Matt it. Nicholson. <laughs> yeah. of Johnny Depp at they've all. Got, they've had like 37 top line people play Grindelwald at this point. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No one mm-hmm. cares. Like the whole, the whole world 
thinks you you have this bankable star thing that has to it has to work. And especially when you put the costume on, nobody cares. No. Nobody cares. Nobody cares that Ezra Miller's the Flash. And, it, and he's the Flash in Justice League. And when if you just put somebody else in the suit and start calling him Barry Allen, no one will care. You could even do a scene where, I don't know, he, he don't runs even back in to. time and somehow like becomes a different person. No, you don't even have to explain it. No, I mean, even in Iron Man, when they tossed Terrence Howard out for Cheadle, like Cheadle shows up and, and says, hey, hey, Tony. And he goes, hey, Rhodesy. And that's yeah. it. It's yeah. over. It's over. You just... You just have to not care. Like I don't think anybody really cares. We've had, you know, we've had a handful of James Bonds. No one cares. You know, Ed Norton was Ed Norton was Banner, and 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 they got to the Avengers, and it was Mark Ruffalo, and no one cared. No one cared. I saw that movie in the theater, and I effectively have scrubbed it from my brain. <laughs> the Norton Hulk, right? It's a pretty good movie. I mean, it's it's in the it's in the MCU. It's 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 properly set. I mean, but no one cared. Nor- Norton was gone. It was gone. I mean, Dumbledore. I mean, Richard Harris dies. Right. And then, you know, we get we get it. We get a we get a new Dumbledore. No one cares. So if I'm the DC people, just just replace him and reshoot his scenes with. Some other actor who's not going to start a cult and avoid evade the law, and just be done with it. And Do you have a choice? Do you have an idea? I I figured I would just give the job to Grant Gustin, who's already the Flash in the in the you know in can't do on that. TV. Can't do it. That was my first thought, but I don't know. There's there's a whole world of people out there who could be the Flash. I mean, um. I'm Googling you know. hot young men st- male stars. <laughs> well, you have to be in your... I mean, the, the way that the way that's written is he's probably in his 20s. He's early in his career. That probably, you know... I mean, there's... Just make it a member of BTS. They're, they're breaking up anyway. <laughs> really, I, I, I heard that. I, you know, these are... These are, you know... Zach Efron's probably too old. Yeah, but he's about right. He's you know he 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 needs a he needs a superhero role. Like why doesn't Zac Efron have a, a superhero role? Let's make What's, him the. Flash. Isn't Harry Styles in the MCU already? Right, he's in Eternals. Yeah, he would. What about one of those Riverdale dudes? Uh, yeah, one of the one of the uh, one of the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever those those guys are. Yes, there's. Millions Nick of, Jonas, millions make Nick, it Nick Jonas. <laughs> make it Nick Jonas would be a fine Flash. Again, it's, there's you've got lots of choices. It's not it's not hard. You know what you could do? They could get the Stranger Things kid, that Finn Wolfhard, who even kind of looks like Ezra Miller already. Kind of, yeah. Bit, he might be a little young, but whatever. He put the suit on him. What's He's, Logan Lerman doing these days? <laughs> Logan Lerman. Logan Lerman would be an ideal. I, he might be too old now. He might be too old, but again, it's fine. You know what? Is he thirty? I don't know. Yeah, he's probably getting close to thirty, but Logan that's fine. Lerman MySpace. <laughs> MySpace. <laughs> but but no one's gonna care. That's the that's the thing. Everyone's wringing their hands. It's like, oh my god, if we have to replace Ezra Miller, it's gonna be effed up. It's, like, it's not gonna be effed up. No one's gonna give a rip. It's it'll be fine, and and no one will think twice about it. So just do it. And, and stop 
crabbing about it. No one cared when they switched Darren on Bewitched. He just was a different dude one day, and they just moved on. What percentage of our audience knows what you're talking about? <laughs> Come on, everybody knows it. I don't know. What else? Who? Jack Ryan? How many Jack? There have been three Jack Ryans. No one yeah, cares. No one cares. It's fine. It's fine. If there's, fine. especially with IP, right? Yeah. The character's not yours. You're just no. in the suit. Right. Yeah. It could be literally anybody, and it doesn't even matter. I would, I could argue that you could make a movie scene to scene with a different flash in every scene <laughs> and just keep calling him Barry Allen, and it wouldn't matter. <laughs> That might be excessive, but you're probably right. Yeah. And you can probably switch halfway through the movie and yeah. nobody would care. <laughs> right. That, that's, that's the whole point of this. In fact, they should just run the movie and then they should just get somebody to do the press. <laughs> somebody, somebody famous. Just make it. It's like, yes, we made this movie, uh, but Ezra Miller flaked out and he's just an insane person. However, this movie's really entertaining and you should go see it. And I'm in the movie. Whoever else is in the movie can promote it and it'll be yeah. great. Because okay, no one's care. Plan. That's my plan okay. for the Flash. I'm on board. So I follow an Instagram account called the Wicked Slams. I don't know why I follow it because it really is just <laughs> like videos of people hurting themselves. Okay. I think it's because I like to see the ways in which they, you know, like I don't want to actually see them get hurt, mm-hmm. but I like to see the hubris right up until they get hurt, right? <laughs> I don't like the ones that are just like people wiping out when they're doing tricks. That's not so interesting. But when it's somebody doing something sort of stupid, like I love the long hill runs, right? By somebody who's not qualified to be doing it. Right. Um, anyway, maybe I mean, and I assume this is universal, but maybe it's not. But when you watch a video like that and you sort of have that visceral reaction to when the moment of injury occurs. And at least for me, it manifests sort of as like a, it's not shooting, it's not pain, right? But it's essentially sympathy pain in a way that like my muscles and body contract in a way that sort of like shoots up from like my perineum. <laughs> it's like, where's your, per- where's your, per- where's your perineum, Ty? <laughs> you know, between. It's the, floor, it's the floor of your pelvis between. You know, Dave Matthews wrote a song about it. The space between. <laughs> yes, it's the taint. The taint zone. Is, sure. It's often it's often commonly referred to. Yeah. I get the same thing. I even just thinking about injuries. I've been injured plenty of times and and being injured is not nearly as bad as imagining injury for people. I know right. some years ago my mother-in-law fell down and broke her femur. Oh God! <laughs> right, right. And when I got the news, I was like, "Oh my God!" And I could not, I could not shake the, the the you know, I couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake that feeling. It just, it's just imagining being injured like that. And even if I talk about it right now, it gives me a little bit of the right, exactly, a right, a little bit of that feeling. It just it. Are you seeing sprained ankles on TV? Or like, yeah, exactly. Oh, you know, uh, broken legs. <laughs> it's yeah it's not it's you know obviously there's the word the common there's a con the common term of schadenfreude or whatever where you where you take pleasure in other people's misery sure but in this case it's there's there must be i don't know how to break down the german in schadenfreude to make the right <laughs> the right substitutions right but there has to be it's probably some form of that where you have a sympathy that you have a sympathy reaction that makes you 
uncomfortable when you see other people's injuries or misfortune. Can you yeah. hear this? Did, did you hear that? No, no I didn't right. hear it. Let's try again. Oh, sorry, sorry. For, sorry to our audience. Here we go. This is what Google Translate says. Ich fühle deinen Schmerz. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> ich, fühle, ich fühle deinen Schmerz. <laughs> I don't think that's going to catch on. To no? be honest with you, you no, that's not going to work. No, that's not really good. I don't think. I don't <laughs> think we're on the precipice of starting a starting a, a, a trend with that particular word. But fully dying in I work with enough German people that I could uh, I could float this by them to see if we can't get this uh, get this off the ground. But uh, that's German for I feel your pain. Yeah, and really, I do. I feel their. I feel that pain. I don't want to see people get hurt. It's just brutal. I know that when you watch enough sports, someone will get hurt and they'll go, well, if you're squeamish, go ahead and turn. I turn, I turn the channel or, you know, maybe the sound of it too. The sound of pain. I don't even have to have the sound on. Like if I'm looking mm. at that Instagram account again and I don't like go look at it, but it pops up in my feed. Right. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. whatever. I'm like dog sports, highlight golf mm. thing, blah, blah, uh-huh. blah. Uh, someone, eating shit on a skate ramp (laughs) (laughs) the right when uh the thing i the last time i felt it was since i was one of seven people watching the french open was when uh sasha zverev sprained his ankle playing nadal like he's sliding to his right and his toe catches and his whole foot turns under and he goes down in a heap and is just screaming and i was like oh that was real that's like a real hurt person I don't like it when the screaming. I don't yeah. like that's that's a, that's a bridge too far. <laughs> <laughs> the people are just like, oh, oh, call an ambulance. I broke my leg. I can deal with that. But the screaming, I got to turn it off. <laughs> so what if you just focus on the last two syllables and it's just it's dein schmerz, right? Dein schmerz. So what if it's like nine dein schmerz? <laughs> Still too complicated. Not, yeah, dein, okay. dein schmerz. I is feel pain or feel your pain. Yeah, that's that would be just your pain. No, your oh no, your pain, right? Like oh nine dice mares. <laughs> I, I think know. we. <laughs> I don't know if I, yeah, we'll we'll see. I don't we know. Maybe, All right, maybe we'll we'll find it. We'll find a way to work it into daily conversation, and maybe we can start a trend. Okay, of some you kind. Come up with something for me, will you? I'm, I'm gonna work on that. All right, let's move on. So in this segment. Uh, I wanted to touch on the reason we go to restaurants. Now, I saw that Arby's of the of the IP in your milkshake Arby's, <laughs> <laughs> which you responded, which you responded, and rightly so. Who goes to Arby's and orders a milkshake? Nobody <laughs> it's does. Wild behavior. Nobody does. If you go to Arby's and you order a milkshake, you need to examine your life. Mm-hmm. Well, earlier this year, they launched the Arby's Deluxe Wagyu Steakhouse Burger. And, okay. and this is again this this is my point that nobody goes to Arby's to buy the burger. You're you're there you're there because you got in the mail a a flyer with a bunch of coupons on it where you can get six bacon and cheddars for you know eight bucks or whatever they're selling it for. And you go there, you buy a bag of bacon cheddars and some horsey sauce, and you go to town. This is this is the only reason to go to Arby's. There's, there's Food no that comes out of your body exactly the same way it went in. <laughs> But there's no other reason to go to Arby's than that. That's it. They don't have burgers. 
They do now. They right. have the Arby's Deluxe Wagyu Steakhouse Burger. But I'm not going to go there and order that. No. Because I'm a big believer at this point in my life that the only reason I go to any restaurant is to eat the thing. So there's a, there's a, and I may have, again, I may have touched on this before, but there's two modes in your life. There's explore and exploit. Mm-hmm. And explore is the time where you will go places, new places, try different things and all these kinds of things. But if you collect all this experience, at some point it turns from explore to exploit. So I know that the best cheeseburger or the cheeseburger that I like best is the Dino's Burger at Dino's Pub <laughs> in Red. <laughs> so if I'm hungry for a burger, I will just go there and I will eat the thing. And that's it. That's the only reason I go. Mm-hmm. Or you know, there's, there's lots of people who probably don't explore pizza anymore. You know, if you're thinking about pizza, yeah. it makes a very clear picture in your mind. Uh, exactly the pizza you want yeah, yeah. from the exact place you want. And you're not mm-hmm. going to go at this point searching for new pizza. You don't want to try the new pizza joint. No. You're like, forget it. And this is the, this is the point of, if you're a restaurant like Arby's, I get that you need to earn a paycheck and somebody came up with this Arby's Wagyu steak burger deal, but no one's going to buy, <laughs> no one's going to buy that. Well, this review that you linked to, this guy is gushing about. It. He loves it, but am I still going to go? That review is fairly compelling. It really is. But it's not so compelling that I'm going to go to Arby's and order this burger. I'm not going to. I just I'm, I won't. I, I would, but they got the brioche. I can't do the brioche. The brioche has <laughs> got butter. It's got it's got butter fragments in it. But the but this is I think everyone understands this. The, you know I would go out to new restaurants with people. Like someone says, "Hey, we're going to go out to this restaurant. We want to try it." I say, "I'll go," and mm-hmm. and, I'll, and I'll you know I could be adventurous. But if I'm sitting at home and a and a and a picture of food pops into my brain, and I say, "Ooh, you know what I'd like tonight? I'd like X food." I know exactly where I'm going to go to get X food. Yeah, that's a function of getting old too. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I'm in exploit mode now. Like I'm yeah. done exploring. If I want it's the no certain... new friends of like takeout. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I don't. If I stumble across something, and again, again, this is not a hundred percent thing. Sometimes a new place will pop open, or I'll look something and say, you know what, I'll, I'll roll the dice. Mm-hmm. And if something's good there, great. And maybe maybe it'll bring me back if I want that thing. But I'm not down to go to a restaurant a bunch of times and try a bunch of stuff on their menu. I'm not that's not where I that's just not where I am at this point. And I think that's a fairly common thing. I, the worst is when you go out, especially if you don't do it very often, and you decide to deviate and you immediately regret it. <laughs> I could have had what I wanted. That's like and I'm stuck <laughs> with this garbage. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've gone out with my wife. <laughs> and and they'll bring our food, and I'll look at my food, and I'll look at her food, and I'll look at her face, and I'll just switch the plates. Like it's just no, there's just I can tell by the look on her face that she's much more, she's disappointed in what she has, and really wants what it's in front of me much more. And I'll just be like, oh, let's swap, because you know I can't. Sit You're here. a better man than I. I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't sit through this dinner with that look on your face. It's just no. let's 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 just switch. I would just and not I'll, look at her. And I'll <laughs> just enjoy my meal. My God, this is delicious. <laughs> How's yours? I'm looking for there. <laughs> yeah. 
No, I just, it's like, okay, I'll just take one bite of this just because it looks good. I'll try it and then I'll just switch with you and it'll be fine. I'll just eat your food. And, but. Quote, both burgers are worth your time if only to try out this Wagyu beef blend that really tastes a cut above competitors' beef patties. If only to that's, try the patty, this man says. That's compelling. At Arby's. <laughs> is this they, written by Ving Rhames? They have the meats. <laughs> they do. They, they have the meats. I don't know. It is, like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a compelling, it's a compelling uh, um, review. I still am not going to go to the Arby's to eat. That. You know what I'm going to, you know, I know where the Arby's is in Bellevue. And I don't drive by it very often, but you know the next time I drive by it, next time I see the, the the hat, I'm going to I'm, it's going to pop into my brain. It's like, go eat the Wagyu burger. Every time we talk about Arby's, I think about how that I should have stolen that neon hat when they were tearing that one down. <laughs> there was a day when they didn't have the fences up yet, and they had taken the windows out of the unit. Uh huh. And the hat, the neon hat, was just in there on the wall, and there was no one there. You could have just you could have had it. it I could have hopped adorned. in there and just it taken could- it. And it could be adorning your wall right now, and that would be really badass. That would be turning it upside down so it looks like a penis. <laughs> <laughs> right. Next, do you know who Edward Lutwak is? Uh, no. Edward Nikolai Lutwak is an American military strategist and author known for his works on grand strategy, geoeconomics, military history, and international relations. Wow. He is best known for being the author of *Coup d'État: A Practical Handbook*. Okay. Okay, he's 79 years old, born in 1942. Got it. Edward Lutwak says that um, one book he's never written is, quote, the impact of the arrival of nicotine in the scientific revolution, a big jump in intellectual achievement that took place among Europeans, all of whom smoked. The social history of nicotine begins with the sharpening of the brain. I stopped smoking long enough, but I still miss it. A reason that's less well explored is the West War on nicotine. The massive brain outages we see throughout the West, and particularly in America, are in no small part due to the war on smoking, which both makes people smarter and kills them before they become senile. I 100% agree. <laughs> I knew you would. With this, because there are very few things in this world that I love more than smoking. I really love smoking. I don't need to smoke. Like, I don't sit here and fiend for cigarettes, uh-huh. but if cigarettes cross my path uh-huh. and someone offers me one, I can't say fast. I can't say yes fast enough. I give me that cigarette. I am gonna smoke it and I'm gonna enjoy it and I'm gonna bathe in it and it's just the best. And and I get this because I actually read an article some time ago about this exact thing where the the uh, it's really started with more like the effects of coffee, like how coffee heightens your senses and gives you ideas. The drug, you know, caffeine, mm-hmm. and and you can ramp up caffeine to the point, of course, where it gives you jitters. Mm-hmm. But now the there's a very easy antidote to caffeine overdose, and that antidote is nicotine. So if you balance your coffee and cigarettes. You will be, number one, you will be smarter, you will have better ideas, and you'll be much more excited about these ideas to take action. And this is that exact part of European coffeehouse culture back in the 1800s, where people were sitting around drinking tons of coffee, smoking cigarettes, and coming up with a lot of great ideas 
and you know and you know just a rise and explosion of intellectualism coming from these types of people it's it's a pretty compelling argument i had a friend who had recently consumed some mushrooms Mm. and said that for the following days after that weekend that he felt like he was performing at a much higher level at work that things were a lot clearer to him that his brain just felt like it was unlocked and i mean there's certainly an argument to be made for psilocybin as a substance you know used as a microdose to yeah. make you more effective at thinking yeah I've and heard opening that. up new neural pathways right yes i've heard that about microdosing mushrooms that people tend to tend to see colors more vividly and things are sharper and they are more focused yeah you're um, using natural chemicals to hack your brain this is yeah. my if it comes from the ground <laughs> theory <laughs> yeah and again anything can be abused there's no question about it that's that's sure, not the course. that's of not course. the argument but but balancing high levels of caffeine and counteracting that with nicotine is is a proven <laughs> way <laughs> they've proven it through time as a as a very uh, effective brain hack make yourself you know make yourself smarter make yourself more open to new ideas well at mr lutwak says that he um uses nicotine patches and okay. he says if you take them away he's immediately five to ten iq points stupider and he's permanently addicted to nicotine patches which have the advantage of not causing a slow painful death from lung cancer <laughs> that is that is true but the the <laughs> the holding of a cigarette is <laughs> Yeah, but the smoking the experience is so gross. Oh, I know. It's awful. Like, it's I'm, also I, we've awesome. talked about this before. Like, I also like to smoke a cigarette, but while I'm doing it, I'm also disgusted. Oh, yeah. No, I'm your like, clothes oh, smell I disgusting. I can't wait to be done with this your disgusting Your breath smells cigarette. disgusting. Your hair smells disgusting. Everything that comes in contact with that cigarette smells disgusting. But God help me. I love it. Love it. Love it. And right. I can't remember the last time I had a cigarette. It's been a while. Wow, wow. Too far, too long. Well, I feel like perhaps I need to design an experiment. <laughs> <laughs> a coffee and cigarettes experiment? I'm in. You do the coffee and cigarettes one, and I'll, I'll do the other one. Okay. And we'll see who whose brain works better later. Yeah, I'll, ch- I'll, I'll, I'll give Papa <laughs> Smurf a call to see if I can't get the hook <laughs> Let's do it. All right. What else you got? All right, so since you're the only person in America who hasn't seen Maverick, I'm going to go into this this thought that I had um, that came to me via a couple of different ways, but I sort of swirled together in my brain. So if you... Yes, this is good. All right, so Maverick, Top Gun Maverick, begins with a scene where Maverick is testing this hypersonic airplane. And he's going through, he's going through these, he's decided he's going to um, disobey the military and, and do this test, this ill-advised test to run this thing up to Mach 10. So he runs it up to Mach 10, things are great, and then all of a sudden he loses control of the airplane and then the, the communications pop out. And the next scene is, and you see the plane explode going Mach 10. No one, no one can survive this. Right, mm-hmm. but the next scene is Tom Cruise Maverick walking into this diner in Texas, 
getting a drink of water and saying, where am I? And this kid says, Earth. Okay. <laughs> All right. Continue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was unexpected. The, um, this so, is the happy part. <laughs> no, this isn't the happy part. Oh, it's not. All right, sorry. So my theory is, in terms of Maverick, Maverick dies. Okay. Maverick is dead. And is sent back to his basically his own personal purgatory. Mm. Okay. So because no one can survive a Mach 10 crash of an airplane. I'm sorry, there's no there's when if your if your plane comes apart going hypersonic speed, you die. Mm-hmm. There's no surviving it. It's impossible. So I believe that Maverick has died. Okay. Okay. So he's sent to purgatory and he's faced with all the loose ends of his life. Like, they, they bring him in. They tell him how he's a failure as an officer. He's a failure in terms of all of his relationship with women. Uh-huh. He's a failure with his, you know, in his ability to do right by his best friend's child. Um, and he's, and, and so now he's sent to basically pull all this together. He has to teach these pilots. He has to, you know, repair this, this important relationship with a woman. And he has to repair his relationship with his with with maverick's son or with goose's son mm-hmm. okay so they take on this impossible task and in the impossible task he ends up crash landed with it with uh goose's son rooster uh, in on the mission okay okay so now he's basically done all the things he's needed to do he's repaired his his um his status as an officer he's found the woman he loves and he said he wants to stay with her and now he has to repair this last relationship and in doing so he has to put on his old wings so they crash their their planes crash but apparently the enemy has a couple of f-14s lying around these old tomcats lying around so he puts on his old wings takes rooster and then they go they fight their way out of there and then they go and he they're going to safety so okay. as they're flying to safety, they're out of missiles, they're out of guns, there's one more enemy plane, and they're dead to rights. Like, he can't shake the guy, the enemy pilot has lock on them, he's pushed, pulling it up into the sky, into the sun, and he says, I am sorry. He's, he's, he's saying to Goose that he's very, he's sorry, he's sorry mm-hmm. that I failed you, and I can't bring your son you know, back to safety and whatnot. And then as that the enemy plane is firing the missile, one of the hangman who is, has been the hot, one of the hotshot pilots blows up the enemy plane. And after he blows it up, he says, woo ha, ladies and gentlemen, this is your savior speaking. And I don't think, I think you can take that one of two ways. Uh-huh. You know, this is, this is, this is the person who saved you, or this is literally in your purgatory. This is your savior speaking. This is Jesus Christ granting you, you know, you've done enough, son. You've now, you've, now you've made it out of purgatory. You've repaired all of these relationships. You've done right by your life. And your savior has now granted you passage back to, back to your heaven, which of course, a movie happy ending is like heaven, right? The girl, the relationship, he gets to fly again, but fly not as a pilot, not as a fighter pilot, but as a recreational pilot, as somebody who just enjoys flying 
and that's his heaven. He so earned his wings. He's, he's, he's literally earned his wings. And that is what I believe Top Gun Maverick is entirely about. He's dead. Okay. Well, I'll have to take it at your word because I have no opinion on this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when you watch it, you should watch it as a war movie or as an action movie. But I think that, and I don't, I, it wouldn't shock me if this was an intentional thing. Sure. And, uh, and I've just picked, picked little pieces here and there and thought, you know what? It, if you swirl it all together in this way, it, uh, it, makes, it makes sense to me. So it's about Jesus. It's about it's about well, it's about connect. Zenu. It's about it's about Zenu, but it's about <laughs> it's about achieving achieving heaven by 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 wrapping up all these these loose ends. And if you can't do it in this world, you maybe you get a chance to do it in the next. I really wish I had a fighter jet sound effect for you. <laughs> <laughs> it is the highway to the heaven zone. Okay, I'm uh, again. Sounds good. <laughs> this is the first time this has happened. Where like I knew this would happen, right? We talked about it. Mm-hmm. Where we'd want to have stuff that we talked about, and the other person just didn't have a response. And this is Let's one see. of those times because uh, yeah, I haven't I mean, seen the movie. I like the okay. theory, though. Yeah. Well, hopefully, people will be able to share that. Uh, share if they if they think I'm full of crap. Yeah. Let us know if you agree with Chris's. Uh, what is it? What is that? It's like a metaphysical take on Top Gun Maverick. He's got the clear. He's clear. He's got. What, what do they have? What do they, they have to. The Clearance? Yeah, they have the, 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 I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. He's cleared himself. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know enough about Scientology to make that. that and he's ready for uh, reabsorption by Xenu. So, oh, sorry. So, so should we all be. All right. So, for the final segment, um, I really I dug into this question about. There was just. It's on the internet. Why are Japanese cars more reliable than German cars, considering German engineering is supposed to be the best? And the gentleman that offers a response says that he's half German and work and works in research and development with a bunch of Germans. So it boils down to, while they're both extremely talented engineers, Germans being the structured rule followers that they prefer to be, engineer something with the instruction manual in mind. That you will read it and adhere to it, and that you will uh, you if the if the system fails, it is your fault as the user. While Japanese engineers uh, approach it from the how will the customers use it and how can I prevent failure if they abuse it method, whereas the Germans feel like it's not their fault if you if you drive the car incorrectly and it breaks, it's your fault, not theirs. Right. And the Japanese rather do not believe in your competency. And expect you to break it. <laughs> you know, this is funny. It reminds me of a conversation. Is this theory racist? <laughs> Doesn't matter. It no, does, it's outside. It's, not it's completely out. It's, it's completely <laughs> outside that. But you and I used to have these conversations where you would get you would get you would get angry with people because they just didn't get it. Yeah. And I come from the I come from the standpoint that I don't expect people to get it at first blush. Right, even even concepts that we consider very simple and straightforward, that I don't expect people to understand it the way I do because I think I'm smarter than people. <laughs> <laughs> and you think, and I always, I'm just, I'm gonna put words, I'm gonna put words in your mouth here, but that that I get it. It's simple. You should get it. Right. Yes. And this is where we always had this sort of disconnect. I would always tell you, hey, 
give these people a second for the light to turn on. It's gonna, it might take them a bit. And you'd be like, well, I don't get it. It's so simple. Why wouldn't they just know it? And, and this is the, this is, I think a form of that same argument in mm. that, in that, um, I'm yes, also we, half German. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We've created, we've created this thing. It's meant to be used in a certain way. Mm-hmm. This is like people using the handles of their screwdrivers as hammers, right? <laughs> and then they break the screwdriver and they say, well, this handle is shoddily made. <laughs> it's like, well, you're not supposed to use it as a hammer, dumbass. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Japanese might just create a, a, you know, a screwdriver handle that's way super durable because they know at some point some jackass is going to turn this thing over and try to drive loose nails in with it. Right? I can see that, yeah. That's the... Uh, and and you're racist for saying so. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean, though, like, because you did. I remember you used to tell me that um, that it wasn't their job to know the things they were calling to ask. And what I never understood, and I still don't understand, is why when people don't understand something, they're not more curious about it, uh, particularly when it, it when it is part of your living. Like, right. it is your, you know, re- part of your responsibility is, is to understand this and know this and, and be able to function in this way without help. Right. And I'm not even talking about at this point, you know, like using computers or whatever. I'm talking about just, you know, just I understand something well enough to like speak intelligently about it. it. Should be a thing that is important to you if you, you know, your job is to talk about something. Yes, the I think it comes down to our nature as people to take our tool set and and look at things and see it for the very most basic thing it's supposed to do. Uh-huh. A computer is a very complex thing a and we talked about hiding complexity behind certain things like just because you only have to push one button now doesn't the conservation of complexity still exists there's still a complex thing happening even though you as the user only have to push the one button Uh and as we've made things easier to use our tool set of course people aren't interested in what goes on i I push the button the tool works that's what it does and when it doesn't work i don't give a shit about all the complexity that lives behind this button I just, I just want this thing to happen. I want, I want to push the thing. I want the thing to happen. That's it. And, and, and as we continue to move along, our tool set, that's how we view our tools. This tool does this thing. This is like going to the restaurant to buy the one. <laughs> we found a theme. Our, you know, it's like going to the restaurant to buy the one thing. I pick up this tool. I need it to do one thing. And, that's the, and regardless of the complexity that lies behind the tool, when I push this button or pull this lever or do the thing i want the thing to happen and when it doesn't i generally don't care what what the i don't care about the complexity i don't care what 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 behind that breaks just do the thing yeah i'm with you on that i i think the difference is that that there were times where it, it would be like if you were a contractor and someone handed you a hammer and you're like um so i only know how to hammer nails into sheetrock but this is made of wood how do I hammer it into the wood? These are the kind of questions that I was dealing with. <laughs> I was like, well, have you tried just nailing it into the wood? <laughs> I did use your lessons, though, uh, to diffuse a, a shithead uh, coder in, a, in, a, in an engineering meeting once when I was running a project. He was a, a sort of a known asshole, um, and he was being difficult in the meeting, and then he was getting sort of snide with somebody he's like well why would you design it like that? why would it doesn't work like that why would you do that and i'm like well bruce 
the reality is that she's not supposed to know that you are. That's why you're in the meeting. So if that doesn't work, why don't you propose a solution that does so that we can all move on? And that was effective. Right. It was it was amazing. This guy had been running roughshod over half the department. And I basically told him, I was like, it's your job to know. Stop being an asshole about it. Yeah. And it worked. Well, good. You're the expert here. What should she be doing? Right. Quit belittling <laughs> other people and just provide a solution. Right. Shit for brains. Right. <laughs> yeah. If you know the simple path, show us the simple path. Exactly. Yeah, All right. Well, once again, oh, did you have more? No, I just, uh, I just want to, I just want to say that uh, that I probably fall in terms of engineering with the Japanese folks. I know that people are going to, I know that people are going to, going to take what you give them, and and find new and creative uses for it that you never intended them to, <laughs> and and you just have to deal with it. All these years later, Chris, if you go look at my LinkedIn profile, I'm pretty sure that the second sentence is, it's more efficient to redesign systems than try to change human behavior. (laughs) True. I built a career on this idea that (laughs) you should not try to get people to change. You should make the system build around the way they already behave. I like it. All right. Well, once again, we've cleared our plates. You know what that means. Now comes the part where we throw our heads back and laugh. Ready? Ready! Ready! Dad jokes of the week. Woo! All right. I have a couple for you here. What do you call 100 little sheep rolling down a hill? A lamb slide. <laughs> okay. You don't like that? <laughs> it's fine. It's a good one. That's a good one for kids. Kids would like that. That's a, that's right. a good one. All right. What does Jeff Bezos do before bed? I don't know. He puts his pajamas on. <laughs> That's funny. Also a good kid joke. I had a date last night. It was perfect. Tomorrow I'm going to try a grape. <laughs> <laughs> you lonely bastard. My son was chewing on electrical cords, so I had to ground him. He's doing better currently and conducting himself properly. <laughs> Electricity jokes are always good for me. My friend lost his car. I call him Carlos. <laughs> no. <laughs> no <Carlos. laughs> um sorry. Oh, uh two more. Went to the doctors today. He told me I was going deaf. That news was hard for me to hear. And finally, Solid. My favorite childhood memory is building sandcastles with my grandfather until my mother took away the urn. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. That's a, that's a, that's, you know, that's a, that's a good joke. I've heard, I forget the, the, uh, the comedian's name right off the top, but he does this hilarious grandma joke about how, like he says, you know, my grandma, my grandma died at my ninth birthday party, right when she was eating cake, and that always struck with me, because it's it's not so much that I'm afraid to have my birthday anymore. It's just that I'm much more careful now that I wish what I wish for. Oh. <laughs> Jesselink, uh, that's yes. a classic classic Jesselink. Jesselnick. Um, Jesselnick. 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 A classic yeah. Jesselnick punchline where he finds the most horrendous thought 
in his head and blurts it out. All right. Here's, um, so this week I came up with a construction for a joke. And I'm going to show you my construction. And I would like to urge you or others who listen to this program to maybe find their own construction for this joke. Because I think it works in a lot of different ways. So this is basically, here's the joke. I took a laxative while watching the 700 Club. I think I'm going to start a religious movement. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so you can use that in yes. anything. Right. So I took a laxative while blank. I'm going to start a blank movement. So if you'd like to come up with a joke of your own and pass it to us over the, uh, over the, over the interwebs, um, we'll be happy to hear what you come up with. I once dated a girl that was having an issue with constipation and I made her a mixtape and it said music to have a movement to. <laughs> there <laughs> you go. Label. Yeah, so find, find something that appeals to you. You know, the more out of, the more wacky, the better. Did you come up with any other versions of it? Well, there's plenty of them. I did. I had, that was my favorite, that was my favorite one. So okay. I thought, I thought maybe I would leave a few for the audience to come up with. There okay. I like it. That's it for Dad Jokes of the Week. You know what time it is. Overtime. In the overtime. So one of my favorite things, and I, I know I've covered this on the show before. One of my favorite things is out of context um, music composing. So jingles, right? We've talked about the Street Sharks band, mm-hmm. right? We did like it's a it's a very intense, like 80s rock hair metal theme song for a cartoon. But sure. someone somewhere had to rock the fuck out to Street Sharks. And I started thinking about there's a song on the radio right now, and it honestly what it sounds like is like the the demo on a Casio keyboard in like 1990, like you the demo button, you know, and it's got like the couple right. of beats and then the the mix. And I started thinking about the Casio demo composer and how many original works do you think the Casio demo composer <laughs> put together? Or is it like one guy? Did this? Was it just one guy for Casio? Is there also a Yamaha guy? Is it the same guy? I just wanted to spend a moment here to wonder on what the you know what the demo composition rules and staffing was really like. <laughs> the um, so so I know that the uh, that the 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 Casio not the Casio what the the T-Mobile ring the sure it comes from a classical musical piece like it's derived from sure from that so. My but sense the Casio is the demo Casio was like a Miami Vice kind of thing, <laughs> right? But but my sense is he probably just riffed on it. He's like, just let me just let me just wind up some beats and let me just sort of figure out, you know, yeah, it, maybe they watched a lot of Miami Vice. <laughs> they were Jan Hammer fans of uh, because that's the kind of that's the kind of uh, of of demo you would get from the Casio demo thing. <laughs> So I happened to look into this a little bit, and I might have to post some of these because I came across what are your favorite keyboard demo songs, <laughs> <laughs> which I did not share with you in advance, but it is like Casio CT770, and then somebody else is like, no, I like the CT657. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I know that uh, that the um, electric, uh, my electronic drum kit uh, head has a demo thing, and it rocks. It rocks pretty hard. it's just i remember like the i would mess around on my casio keyboard and just be like i'm never going to be able to play as well as the demo (laughs) demo 
the demo is so good. How, how does this <laughs> he guy? He's got the mixing. He's mixing sounds in. Yeah. There's beat drops. What's going on? Yeah. I yeah. I think about the people who have to make um, original composition for. If you ever gone to the physical therapy place or the that sort of mood music, the relaxation music, mm-hmm. like the there's the the waves crashing, shh, and then there's like this this composition that goes across it. Like somebody wrote that. Like somebody's sitting around all day. Like they get the they get the gig. They get the they get the hey, we need you to to do you know uh, an infinite loop of of relaxation music. <laughs> And each loop has to be, I don't know, seven, eight minutes long or whatever. I don't know how long those things go on. But but the uh but there are people out there who get paid to compose that stuff. Yeah. I spend a lot of time trying to play video game music. <laughs> play the Mario theme song. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mousetrap was an excellent one. Do you remember Mousetrap? Mm-mm. There was a there was a game called Mousetrap. It was maybe it had it had a very had a very fun and distinct uh theme but as the game kept if as long as you kept going it got a little faster and a little faster and a little faster until it became overwhelming i think that was the game probably trying to overwhelm your senses <laughs> oh yeah. They, yeah lots of games did that i remember um i told my friend with uh, when we were trying to do high scores on tetris i was like turn the sound off yeah turn the sound off it'll be much much easier it's much um, easier yeah yeah my my son does that uh well, we went to we went to Dave and Buster's for his um, um, birthday, and we still can't do the drop. We still can't do the ball drop thing. Come on! No, we tried, and I and I tried to channel channel you, and I got like forty some odd forty like forty balls in the. You just buckets, can't make any mistakes. I can't. No, but he is able to do whop, the. Whop, 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 whop. <laughs> but I always missed the first one. I just missed time the first one. You got and it. So, so I'll tell you, my trick is. I look at the bucket coming around and I find a visual um, cue uh-huh. for when the ba- bucket is going to pass the moment at, that I need to hit the first button. Uh-huh. And you might take you a couple tries to get it, uh-huh. but there'll be some sort of reflection or something in the glass. Mm-hmm. And you have to like find a visual cue for when the bucket passes that visual cue that that's the minute you need to hit. And then it's just a rhythm game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's one, two, three, four, pause. One, two, three, four, pause. Okay. You can do it. God, I can do it. <laughs> But my son can do the so we do we do two games, mm-hmm. but the uh, there's this there's this ball throwing game where you have to knock all these clowns over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. And I if know you knock clowns. all the clowns, but the nice thing is I'm left handed, he's right handed, so uh, we yeah. basically just dominate that game and just run up high scores and keep getting 500 tickets over and over and over again. Uh, but he also is able to do that the lock. Have you ever seen that the lock? Yeah, game? yeah, yeah. I'm good at the or, lock game. Yeah, he he can complete the lock game, which I can't. That's so, hard. Again, yes. I've only done that a handful of times. Yes. So he can complete the lock game, and that's good, good for, for 500 tickets. Yeah. And so basically, we ended up racking up almost 5,000 tickets at this at the at the Dave and Buster's. Mm-hmm. And I sent him into the thing. We were walking around. He comes back. All he has is a kazoo <laughs> and a and a chicken that a chick a rubber chicken that makes this terrible noise. <laughs> and that's and that's all he wanted. He spent two hundred and fifty five uh, five thousand tickets on a kazoo and the chicken that makes noise, and all he did was play the kazoo and make the chicken make noise in the car all the way home. That's it. <laughs> this fucking kid. I swear to God. That's I was like, awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. He's 
yeah, and, and I and I made a comment on my social media. It's like some people, some men just want to watch the world burn, and that's <laughs> and that's him. It's like, what did you get, oh. buddy? I, I want this hundred ticket kazoo and this hundred and fifty ticket noisy chicken. It's like, what are you going to do with the other forty eight hundred and fifty tickets, pal? <laughs> oh no, I don't care. Yep. Uh, no, no, whatever. We can we can just save them on the card. <laughs> so now I have this card yeah. on my desk that has you know forty seven hundred you know forty seven hundred fifty tickets on it. As you know, our local arena sports has one of these ticket arcades, and I recently bought two uh, Nerf guns, and my balance is thirty six thousand tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing! Amazing! Someday they'll get an Xbox back in there, and it'll be mine. Yes. Yes, it will. All right, folks, that's our show. Our thanks to all of you for listening to the Two on Three pod, where we endlessly pursue life's ideal recipe for a moose boosh. Subscribe, review, tell your friends and your enemies, and meet us here next time. But until then, Arby's Wagyu. Wagyu.